Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I just want to read out this email in relation to gambling. And it says, hi Niall, I found myself stuck in a really difficult situation. And I don't know what to do. Myself and my husband have been married for 15 years and three children together. They are 12, 8 and 5. Uh, I know the last year has been rough on everyone with a lot of people losing their jobs. My husband has been struggling hugely. His job has been gone since March last year and we've had no uh, no idea really when it'll be back. At the start, he was okay with the idea of a couple of weeks off to spend time with our children. But as time has gone on, he's not coping very well. He had a reasonably well-paid job and I only work part-time when the children are in school. We have a very comfortable life. He has always looked after our finances and I don't really know uh, much uh, I don't even know about how much is in our accounts or any of that kind of stuff. He used to throw the odd bet on a horse or a match before all of this. Now more than a tenner uh, every few uh, more, no, more than a tenner every few weeks though. As the year progressed, I noticed that he started betting more and more. It started with small amounts, two, five, and ten euro a day. Now he's betting a hundred and hundreds a week. I've tried to confront him about it, but he tells me he's handling it and is going to win it all back again. That's what they all say, isn't it? He only ever seems to win bits and pieces here and there. And I have no idea how much he's lost at this point, but I can imagine it must be thousands. I am terrified this is going to get us so bad uh, that we'll end up not being able to afford things our children need or even our mortgage. That's how bad it's got. I'm terrified of losing the home and everything that comes with it. I am so desperate. I'd love advice that your listeners might actually have. What a terrible situation for that woman to find herself in. Living with a gambler. Now, by the way, gambling is a huge problem in Ireland. Huge problem. Even in comparison to other countries of the world, we are one of the worst. We spend yearly on gambling in this country. 9.8 billion. In a population of 5 million people or just under. We spend 9.8 billion on gambling. Most of that is online, by the way, nowadays. 9.8. Put that into perspective. 5 million people. 9.8 billion. And we think we have a problem with alcohol and smoking. Gambling is a bigger problem. It destroys people's lives. And only recently I read a great article, by the way, with the former Offaly hurler, Derek Morkin, who basically sitting alone in his house in Dublin, eating a pot noodle for Christmas dinner. That's all he could afford because he had spent 800000 in gambling. Now he's gone on to help other people. But maybe you've been in that situation. You, you were living with a gambler. Maybe you were a gambler. You gambled your life away. And now you've turned a corner and maybe you can give her some advice. So what advice would you give to this woman who is living with a gambler who's spending hundreds every week on horses, football matches, whatever it happens to be? What advice would you give her? Run a mile? Get him support? Help him out? Be more understanding? What advice? It's like living with an alcoholic, isn't it? Some people would say, just get out of there. There's no point because they'll take you with them down that dark hole. Let them know what you think, or let me know what let me know what you think she should do in this situation. And the number is O eight seven one double eight treble zero eight. I I mean I'd love to speak to somebody who's been down this really, really dark hole of gambling addiction. O eight seven one double eight treble zero eight. And a lot of people are sending in messages and texts in relation to when people have been down that hole. No, that's a sad situation, but in all fairness, what was she thinking? Just leaving him in charge, doesn't even know it's a bank account, she knows nothing. That is the greatest load of crap ever. She needs to go down to the banks and she needs to see what's in the accounts and get it sorted out. She needs to freeze the accounts if she has to. Oh. Simple as that. Oh, simple as that. There you go. Simple as that. 
it's not always as simple as that. I understand what you're saying, but maybe she doesn't have access to the bank account. Maybe it's his bank account that they use to pay all the bills. You know, I'm not going to diss in your argument. If it's a, a joint bank account, of course she can do that. But generally speaking, you know, it might be his own bank account. Because she does mention he's always looked after her finances. And I don't really know much about how much is in her accounts or any of that stuff. That's, that's in the email. So I get the impression that she doesn't know much money they have. Most likely it's his bank account. Molly, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Molly? Hello, Noel. How are you? Molly, what a horrible situation. It's it's equally as bad to find yourself, you know, in a relationship with an alcoholic or with a thief or with anybody else or a, well, drug, a, a drug addict or whatever. If I, if I can explain one thing to you, Noel, I lived with a gambler, right? Mm. Now, it was a long time ago. Um, number one, an alcoholic can only drink so much before he falls down, right? Yeah. A gambler will gamble a house out from under you. And still come home. Just do me, a, do me a favor, Molly. Just turn down your radio just in the background. Oh, sorry, I beg yeah. your pardon. No, that's okay. That's, that's okay. I'm not listening to it now. <laughs> we like well, to... I was, of course, before <laughs> yeah. I was talking to you. So, and they'll basically gamble everything away before you even know it started. Um, what comes with a gambler is compulsive liar. Yeah. Every word that comes out of his mouth, she cannot believe. What he's telling her, he's gambling, he's lying. Yeah. It's probably three times that amount. Yeah. If not even more. Oh, absolutely. Um, so at this stage, the, the mortgage could already be in default quite substantially. I would, th- I would think so, yeah. 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 Um, I lost, um, the jewellery was stolen from me. Um, my purse was emptied on a regular occasion. And what, oh, what, what would happen to the jewellery? Was it pawned off? Oh, it was pawned off, yeah, but yeah. I was never told. I, right. I'd go looking for it and it was gone. So I could never get it back because there was no dockets or anything like that. He denied everything. And I didn't know he was gambling. Did he ever come clean? No, when I I say come clean, did he ever admit to you that he was doing all these things? Somebody else told me. Okay. And I did confront him and he went to Gamblers Anonymous and I went to Gammonon, which is... Yes, support support for, for partners, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, family. and the fact that I was only living, and thanks be to God, we were only renting accommodation at the time. There was no children, no mortgage, nothing like that. And the advice that was given to me there, run. Mm. Get away from him. Right. Because you can never believe anything that comes out of their mouths. Are you shocked to hear, by the way, that in Ireland, with 5 million people, which is a small population on this little island of ours, 10 billion euro is gambled every year. I am not surprised at all. I watch the TV and I look at the advertisements for all these sites, Niall. These go online and, Best you know... this and bet that, that yeah. It, they're making it easier and easier and easier. Like, I love I love an old bet on uh, the Grand National, Cheltenham or something you do like that. Do the lotto every now and again, maybe, or something, yeah. Yeah, every few weeks I do the lotto. But the likes of Cheltenham now, I have money there that I... I myself and my partner now, we would save money up from Christmas for Cheltenham, right? Yeah. We can afford to lose that. Yeah. Now, we never really lose it all. You kind of break even at the end of it, you know? Yeah. But that's it. You know what I mean? But they've made it so easy and easy for people now with a press of a button. You can have money from your bank account into your um, whatever. Oh, you can, em- you can empty your bank account overnight, essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah of course yeah. you can, yeah. Absolutely. Just keep on topping it up. Just keep on topping it up and a press of a button and it scares me those ads 
Like years ago when I was living with that guy who was a gambler, it had to be done manually. You had to go into a bookies. Yeah. But now it's a press of a button. So the figures you're saying doesn't surprise me. I'm surprised it's not more. And can you remember how it started or when it started? I mean, when did you notice it first? Um, well, I noticed it was, as I say, it was a long time ago. If you yeah. remember the old flats, they yeah. had the um, electricity meters in That's them. right, yeah, yeah. Where you'd be putting your coins be in 50 there. pence, 50 pence into exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I noticed the landlord came to empty it and he opened it up and there was nothing in it. Oh, he had emptied the money out of it? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'd been doing it for months. Right, so he obviously broke the little seal on it and took it out. And yeah, yeah. Out. No, he could pick the lock. Oh, right, okay. Right. Um, and and I, I was just in shock. Right. I hadn't got a clue. Now, completely naive, I'd be honest to say. But yeah. I wouldn't be so stupid again now. Yeah. But um, run for the hills. Now, what, what, was he, what was he gambling on? Horses? Horses, dogs, you name it, anything. Didn't matter. If two um, flies on a wall, he'd gamble. Listen, slot machines, poker machines are very, very dangerous. He was mad into them. So he could, and, and was he working? No, he wasn't. So he, he would do a few days here and there, but right. he could he could leave the leave the flat in the morning time, and I wouldn't see him for three days. And he would come back. Um, what what used to strike me was. He would come back without a rattle even in his pocket. He would always say he lost money, right? You know, he always losing money. Right. So I'm assuming he got he got his social welfare or whatever it was the dole yeah, at the time, yeah. and, and straight into some casino or poker machines yeah, and off, yeah. and the, the lot would yeah. be gone in an afternoon. And what they do in these gambling places, these casinos, right? If they only have a bit of change left, they turn around to one of the buddies who's playing the next machine. Can you top that up? You know, just enough for a euro or it was a pound at the time you know yeah. so they'd get one last shot and it was not coming home with a rattle that's a telltale sign according to the latest stats we spent 4.7 billion in casinos at bingo and on gaming machines yeah 4.7 yeah. yeah I'm surprised I didn't, um, you know what in a country that where you know we don't see it's not like Las Vegas here in Ireland right I'm shocked by that figure so this is in these no, little small places and the slot machines and all those kind of places I'm not at all. Watch the TV. I find it very scary. And there's young people coming up now. And phones are making oh, it so easy with a press of a button. They don't even have to leave their bedroom. And the ads are so attractive. They're so attractive, yeah. And, and, they're, and they're, offering them, they're offering them 20 quid for free. Go on, and, here you go. Yeah, yeah. You Do you know, know what it's like? It's like when we hear about these heroin dealers who will give heroin to young children for free. I mean, yeah. little 12 and 13-year-olds yeah. yeah. for free. Yeah. And they do it to get them hooked because yeah. they'll be their future yeah. customers. Yeah. That's exactly what these betting companies are doing. And the one thing that sets them out, all they need is just one decent win and that's it, they're grabbed. They, yeah, because I, I believe there's a scientific reason for it and that's to do with the serotonins in the brain and everything else. So they get this adrenaline rush and, and this brain rush and it's an excitement of winning. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like it, it is but, but let's very, be clear about it, you don't win. Well, not in the end, you, no, don't. you don't. No, you know what I mean. No, As I say, we, we, myself, my partner, now would do Cheltenham for the five days or whatever it's on. You know, yeah. we might be lucky to break even. We might win a couple of quid, but it's like the most should be. Yeah, no, on but you heart. set that aside, you, and that's it. If you don't win, you don't spend any more. No, we yeah. have that money there to yeah. to lose. Yeah. You know, 
you could, like, our bets would be the most you'd put on a horse would be 250 each yeah, I don't way gamble it. Well, I was going to say I don't gamble it all, but I do the lottery every now and again. Yeah. Well, the lottery would be on That's it. Mind you, well. that, you know, you can spend, but there are people who spend a lot of money on the lottery too, by the way. You know? Well, them scratch cards, I think, are a bit dangerous. Do you think so? You know, the guarantee. Yeah. Oh, well, someone, someone will win. I'd you know I mean? love to see the people who win these 50,000. Well, the big, the big I've monies. never heard of any of them. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's the dream when you see the ads on the television and it's the dream, isn't it, that everybody wants to be yeah. the Euro Millions winner. And by the way, yeah. the Euro Millions, I think you've won in 35 million chance of winning the jackpot. Yeah. Which is <laughs> quite low yeah. odds. But in yeah. saying that, my mother used to always say, if you're not in, you can't win. And as long as you're doing it responsibly, that's what this is about, doing it responsibly. Unfortunately, when it comes to all the other stuff, a lot of it has not been done responsibly. It's not, and it's a very scary thing. Mm, mm. And oh, she'd want to be, she'd want to be so careful. So, what you, so you just tell her to get out of there. Go, just go. I would, yeah. With I the three would, kids, twelve, because, eight, and five years of age. Um, I I try and find out some financial what kind of situation she's in. Mm. Because leaving him in control of all the cash and all the money and the bank account and all like that—that that is so dangerous, my God. And he's the gambler. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She has to find out what situation she's actually in. Just just before you go, how did your situation end? Did you just walk out? Absolutely, end? yeah. Bye, yeah. see ya. In Adios. the end, in the end. I tried to, I tried to, we would head down to Gamblers Anonymous, yeah. say, say it was a Tuesday night every week, and I would go in one door and he would go in the other door, right? There was gammon on and then he went to Gamblers Anonymous, right? But what I didn't know, I'd sit through the gammon meeting, but he'd leave... The Gambler's Anonymous. So he'd no interest in going. He was only going to keep you happy. Oh, yeah, he'd be yeah. back to meet me coming out. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry you went through that, Molly, but look, I heard you say you're with a new partner I'm now. Fine. You're happy I'm now. Happy. Everything's grand now. Absolutely fine now. Yeah, I lost a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, jewellery and sentimental stuff and all that. But to hell it, it's gone. And so was he. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, Molly, thank you very much indeed for sharing that with us. Okay, Molly's advice. Get out of there. That's probably going to change. Maybe you've been in that situation. Maybe you are a gambler, have been a gambler. Maybe you've lived with a gambler. Uh, this lady's looking for advice. Her husband started last year when the lockdown started. It started off at a tenner, five or a couple of euro every day. Now it's hundreds. He controls the finances in the house and she's worried sick now that the, house, the mortgage is not being paid or the bills are not being paid. She obviously has seen some evidence of that or she wouldn't mention it. Um, let me know what you think. The number is 87 What advice would you give her? When I mentioned this email of this woman who sent us in the difficulty that she had and the advice she's looking for about living with her husband since last March who started gambling. The gambling's gone from 2 to 5 to 10 euro and now it's hundreds. She doesn't even know. She believes that maybe mortgage payments haven't been paid, etc, etc, etc. She's looking for advice. But when I started the show, I happened to mention as well that I happened to read online there during the week that the former Offaly and Hurler uh, Derek Morkin uh, and the one bit that got me this article was the opening line he said he was sitting alone in a house in Dublin eating a pot noodle for Christmas dinner it was all he could afford because he had spent over 800,000 euro gambling and he joins me in the line good afternoon to you Derek how you doing well everything Derek I read the story and it's such a sad story and it really gives us a really I suppose in-depth look at what it was like to live life as a gambler when did you start Derek? Started when I was eighteen, um, and just them words you said that the depth, the, the, the depth that you live through through a gambling addiction is uh, a life of pain and misery. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, started from a very young age, like I suppose at eighteen. But before that, I always had an interest towards it before I ever picked up a bet. Um, I was like, I, I was fascinated by the, the atmosphere around it through horse racing and the commentary, all that kind of stuff. So mm. 
I would have had my first bet when I was 18 and that progressed through years. And, and was there an excitement in it? Was the, was the excitement in the gambling or was it in the winning? Or did it matter? No, at the earlier stage, it was, it was in the winning. It was in the winning. Um, it was like when I had my first bet or the first couple of bets, um, it, they won. And the, the buzz and the feeling and the excitement and the feeling that I got inside me is like a... Like an adrenaline rush. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like an adrenaline rush. And I, I latched onto that feeling and I wanted more of it. And it's only now that I'm in recovery from the gambling that the, the, the feeling that I was latching onto was because I wanted to feel good about myself because I didn't feel good about myself from previous years and from okay. younger age as a child and I never... But you were, you were a successful young man, you know, I mean, within hurling as well. I mean, and, and I mean, you did well in life. So I from, did. I did as a picture. I, I painted that picture that life was great. Um, I, I, I won't take away my success around the, the hurling. Like I've, I've achieved stuff in my life. I've achieved a uh, complete apprenticeship of a qualification. I, I played inter-county in club hurling at senior level for many years. And. Yeah, everything looked great. I always had nice cars. I always had nice stuff. But um, that was to just to protect and to hide what was really going on with me. And, and then what, I mean, when, as it got deeper into it, was it just horse racing or were you just betting on anything? Two flies walking up a wall, as I said earlier on. Was it just bet on anything at that stage? It started with just horses. Then it went to greyhounds. And because the way it started to work within the gambling addiction and being a gambler is like, it started off as casual, then you needed more and more. So the horse races, there was a certain length of time between them, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour between the race. And eventually it got to a stage where that wasn't quick enough for me. So then it went to greyhounds, so the, the hit was quicker, the feeling was quicker for me. The greyhounds had five, six minutes between races. And in the later years now, in the last couple of years, it was unlike casino because it was every second. It took me away from my feelings and my head every single second. So, and the online casino, which has become so popular now, and I mentioned earlier on that in this country of 5 million people, we bet 10 billion roughly per year, particularly since online casinos have come along. It's made it so much easier, particularly for young people as well, to get involved in gambling and, and to gamble basically their whole bank account away. What, what was the most amount? Can you remember, Derek, the most amount you put on, on a bet? And once, this was actually before I actually found online gambling, and one horse I put down 25,000 on the horse. 25,000? Yeah, on one horse, and that horse lost. And did you have the 25,000, or did you have to borrow it, or? No, I had won that from, from previous betting. And what, and somebody just told you this horse was a sure thing? I, no, but that, that 25,000, I'd done a bet, an accumulation of a bet, and I built up to 25,000, and then... Like, I just thought in my head, right, I'm going to put the whole thing on one horse and then this is going to bring me up over 100,000. I believed in that moment, 100%, and this is how delusional state of mind you can get into when you're in addiction is, I believed 100% I was going to become a millionaire from gambling in that moment. And I put that 25,000, because if that horse won, the, the lumps of money would have got larger. But you see, the sad thing about it is that horse lost. But I then went about my old behaviours again, and it was like, that looking for money and I got money accumulated and I built up uh, the money again to a certain amount so it wasn't a massive amount but then I did another accumulator on the six different horses and one bet and they all won and I won 57,000 and I got that up to 90,000 euro I, when I won the 57,000 I was putting down 5,000 doubles 10,000 on horses and I got it up to 90,000 and 10 days later I couldn't afford a cup of tea I had to borrow money See this is the thing about gambling if you could turn it on and off you could make it work because when you're at a good point and you have a lot of money and you turned it off you could keep that money 
or you could invest that money or do something with that money. But the problem with gambling, like alcohol and like cigarette smoking and like every other addiction, is you can't turn it off. So as soon as you hit the jackpot, you immediately want to spend that on, on another bet. Yeah, because every time you hit maybe a win, it doesn't matter if it's small or big, you always believe you're going to win more. And that's not the case. And, and I'm going to be honest with you here. I, for me, as a compulsive gambler, yes, people can gamble socially and, and at a normal level. I can't because I'm a compulsive gambler. But for me in recovery now, it's like looking back on it, like it was never a case of like you could make money out of it because at the end of the day, they're always living on that risk factor. It's all by luck and by chance. There's no such thing as being in the known of gambling and racing. Like I know there's professional gamblers out there, but for me now, I was always on a losing case, no matter what. And that 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 was the compulsion. I, no matter what the amounts were, the frequency, I always wanted more. Enough was never enough. And then, when this going back to how I started this piece on the 25th of December 2020, you sat there and you had a pot noodles Christmas Day. You wouldn't even go home to your parents because they were on the phone begging you to come home. But you just couldn't face it. Life had just deteriorated to a particularly sad point. Was was that a turning point for you then? It was. It was a turning point. But I'll be honest, after that moment in Christmas Day, my parents, my dad actually came up Christmas Day to Dublin to try to get me out, and I would not go home. And I just couldn't face them, the guilt, the shame, and like even just down to other small things. And they, they said to me, "It's not about presents." But I was so low, I didn't couldn't didn't have any presents for my parents. I couldn't face them in the eye. I couldn't. I didn't want to see anyone. I just wanted to be in a dark room. But after that moment, like, and how low I got in that stage over Christmas, I gambled after that. I gambled in the the first week of January or second week of January. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it hit such a low point. It was a turning point. It probably was a factor of um, why I choose myself that. I wanted to do better for myself. Now, I, I know you you had gone to the Rutland Centre a couple of times, but unfortunately, uh, not due to them, but it, it failed. It didn't work out for you. But wh- when was the moment that you went to Coonmera? I went to Coonmera on the 1st of February of this year. Okay. And I like I gambled in the second week of January, and I just I just woke up on end. I just had enough, and I contacted my parents and I said look I've had enough I've been gambling non-stop because I was lying to them that I was gambling I was just saying that my money was going elsewhere I came clean I said I had enough I contacted them and I went in on my own accord I contacted my girlfriend I told her honestly what was going on because I'm assuming previously you'd been lying to everybody oh everybody like uh, there hasn't been a day that went by in many many years to told the truth and and by the way, did you ever did you ever steal? Because Molly earlier on mentioned that her partner had been stealing her jewellery and pawning it just to get money to gamble. Had you ever done anything like that? I have. I have. I've done many things. I've stolen money. I've conned people out of money. I've manipulated people into giving me money. But I have stolen on many occasions. And like that, I have stolen stuff of my own property. And I have thought about selling other people's property, but I didn't go down there, thankfully. So, so desperation would make you do anything just to get money for the next bet? I'll be straight up and honest, when you're in active addiction, it doesn't matter what comes in your way, you'll do anything to get money. And it doesn't matter how how many people you hurt or what way you're hurting them because you see that there's no other option. You mm-hmm. see that you have, you're have going, and you're in that moment, you believe when you win it, you'll replace the money. You're only temporarily borrowing it. But that never happens because even if you win money and you can pay it back, you never do because enough's never enough. Do me, do me a favour, Derek, will you? Because I have to go to a break. I want you to stay with me. And after the break, I do want to talk to you about then when you went to Coomer and how, at what point you're at now. And I, I, of course, your advice for other people in this situation. So stay with me, please, Derek. No problem. Thank you. Speaking to Derek Morkin, who's a former Offaly hurler and uh, talking about his 
life with addiction to gambling. Uh, and maybe you've been in that situation. Let us know. The number is 87 All right, let's go back. Uh, speaking to the former Offaly hurler, uh, Derek Morkin, who spent over 800000 on his gambling addiction. And Derek, I was, I was kind of thinking there during the break that if you added up the amount of money that you won during that period of time and put it all together but didn't spend it all back again, you'd probably be a multi-millionaire at this stage. Uh, and it's, it, that's a shocking thought that you probably, you're saying 800,000, that's how much you lost. But if you actually calculated, you know, how much you actually gained and lost again, if you know what I mean, it's probably yeah. into the millions. That's, there is a lot of money involved, but like, as we're coming into recovery now, it's like, it, it's not a financial problem. The, no matter, then this one is, I would have been, maybe possibility that people do make money over and maybe if I was able to walk away, but I wasn't really walking away if I went back to bet more, even if I kept some of them winnings, because I'm still dabbing into them winnings, like, you know, so, yeah. yes, people can make up, but it, for me, I've soon realized now in recovery that it was never a financial problem. I always believed it was just about finances. It wasn't. It was a really deeper emotional feeling about uh, your feelings. Absolutely, and, and the amount of damage you did to your own life and to other people's lives who probably you deceived along the way as well. You know, I mean, it's something that, so, look, you had had some prior spells in in the Rutland and you completed their five-week programmes, but unfortunately you didn't take them as seriously as you should have probably. So you went to Coonmura. And what was the difference in the philosophy there for you that kind of worked for you when you went to Coonmura? To be honest with you, it, it's not about where I went, what I done, what was different with me. Um, it, it's a great place, Coonmura, and it helps many thousands of people. And it, I suppose it's the way I approached it. Um, I suppose the length of time in there Comparing to the five weeks now, the Rutland Centre works for many people, but I didn't work the programme within the Rutland Centre. I never done the suggested things when I left the Rutland Centre. But this time around, what's different is me, I suppose, and that's being honest about it. I want it better for myself so I can be good to myself and other people and have a better way of living. But the 12-week programme in Coomera gave me time to slow down, first of all, and then to really look at what was really going on with me because it's what my when looking back and learning what I'm learning and how I am today is like I use my gambling and also my hurling and other aspects of life materialistic things to blank out what was going on with me like I I had problems within myself emotionally and feelings wise before I ever picked up a bet I when I found the gambling it was like a medicine that kept me away from all that kind of stuff so it stimulated you constantly Sorry? it was stimulating you constantly all the time Constantly, yeah, and that's not taking away the responsibility of um, that I am a compulsive gambler. It's not an excuse for mm-hmm. or a, a, a cop out for the stuff that I beha- the way I behaved in my gambling or the stuff I've done to people or myself. But, but I suppose it's the same, Derek, with every addiction. You know, every addiction involves masking the real problem. The same with alcohol, the same with, you know, taking drugs or whatever. Every addiction is, you know, is masking the problems that you have within yourself. Yeah, and I suppose, like, that's it. Like, and one just one comment that was made to me by a counselor, not a question. He, like, he just asked me. He goes, "Why do you think you're gambling to this extent?" And it was a very simple question. And that might sound very bland, but it was so simple, and it just made me think, like, why? And then I started to question the why was, and I looked deeper within myself, and I found out reasons why, and uh, why maybe I was running away from reality of life, running away from my emotions and problems because I had an ego. I had an ego around the hurling. I had a perception. I never wanted to let anyone in to see that I was, like, hurting inside because around, I suppose, around the hurling side of things and being a man in general, yep. it's like, I didn't want to let down that I'm, I'm, I'm grand. There's not a bother on me. Because I, I, I thought by talking about my feelings and emotions that I was weak. 
Well, it is a, well, it is a male-dominated problem. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are female gamblers too. But it is a, it is more so. It is nowadays it's becoming more common in females because it's so easy to do online. But and, and I think a lot of it to do it as well is that men tend not to reach out for help as well because you know there is that whole thing that we're macho and and particularly in the sport you were in. I suppose you're supposed to be masculine and macho and true. You know, Derek wouldn't have any problems. He's a he-man, you know what I mean? And that, that was part yeah. of it, I imagine. No, that's a massive part of it, yes. And I suppose looking back through the years, like the more I fueled my ego, the more the harder it was to reach out. And the reason I fueled my ego is because like that, as you said earlier on there, and I know it myself, I had things going in my life. But that's, that all started to deteriorate as the gambling got worse, and I couldn't see that. I was blind to addiction. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Of course, yeah. There were times where I did know, and people were telling me, and people were saying, this, uh, get help and all that. But I I turned it back on them. as like, the cheeky you to say that about me. You'd worry about your own problems. But all they were doing, they could see that something wasn't right in me. But I could never admit it because I'd never want to let my guard down. Because I never yeah. want to leave myself vulnerable and open. Well, just before we go, Derek, this started with an email that I got from a woman who's now living with a gambler who started off at a few quid last March and now, obviously, he's on hundreds. She doesn't know because he looks after the finances. But anybody else listening today who can kind of, I suppose, with your story is probably resonating with a lot of people who may be in a similar situation, be they male or female or indeed this this wife, what advice would you give them? First of all, like, yeah, and that's the main reason like, I'm on with you today and I've done the answers is because I never want to live. In the recovery process, you create an empathy and it's like, I can't do this by myself. I have to be relate with other gamblers. I have to talk with other gamblers, with like-minded people and experiences. And if anyone could read, like, get anything from my story and, and not live the way I live, that would be said, even one person. I'm not in a position to give advice. Um... And that's just my total honesty. I'm not in a position to give advice, and we don't do that within the Gamblers Anonymous room. We don't. Well, I advice. suppose the advice is to get advice. That, yeah, that's probably that's the best that's advice, that's, isn't I it? Suppose I can suggest some things that, like, it's okay to surrender. It's okay not to be okay. Like, it's okay yeah. to talk about it and reach out to someone. And some more times, more times, more than often, like it, it's maybe not someone as close to home as family or close yeah. friends. Reach out to a stranger. Reach out to someone, a member of the Gamblers and Honest program. And, like, I've no problem with leaving my number with you and I to me to pass on to that woman and mm-hmm. just to maybe introduce the, any, any one person to the Gambler Anonymous room. It's, I can only suggest that I'm never out there to drag people into it, but it, it has worked for me. It, it's turned my life around. And, and, and there is, just to mention to people, you do have the likes of Kuhnmira and Rutland Centre as well, and Kuhnmira is Ireland's largest voluntary provider of addiction treatment services, and it is addiction, of course. But listen, Derek, I appreciate you coming on the air today, and you're right, you know, listening to you, if that's maybe opened somebody's eyes who's sitting there on their own with the pot noodles as you did, would not have been in their bank account because they've just blown it all on a horse or something, and maybe they want to turn their lives around, they can see that it is possible to face the reality that you can turn your life around. And I wish you continued success, Derek, and I, and I, and I hope you stay uh, clean. Is that the word we use for somebody who's off uh, out of a gambling addiction now? Well, look, you can see there's lots of actually, like, there's, we're drinking drugs, clean and sober, gambling, just bet free. Bet like, free, I, I bet free. Stay bet free for one day at a time. All right, so, listen, Derek, thank you very much indeed for sharing your experience on the air today. Thank you really very much for it. having me on, I appreciate it. There you go. There's uh, Derek Morkin. And if anybody, by the way, needs any information, you can go to Kunmira's website, you can go to the Rutland Centre's website, or indeed, if you give us a, a call on the show here, we can we can put you in touch with somebody. 
Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.